0: Feels like we've been in church already, Hallelujah. Well, welcome again. A couple quick announcements, and uh, we're going to turn the microphone over to Pastor Matt. I'm going to invite our ushers, if they would come at this time. As we continue in worship, we will be receiving tithes, offerings, as well as alms, and want to thank you for your faithfulness. Want to encourage you as well in relationship to the Capitol campaign, Heart for the House. Thank you for your faithfulness. I believe that we've already seen 38,000 of the 100,000 that has come in, and so we just, we're, we're, we're striving forward. We're believing God for great things. If you've not participated yet, we just want to encourage you, just be a part, great or small. We just want you to be able to be a part. It's a great time of celebration. Uh, by way of announcements, there are a couple of quick things. Number one, to all of the men, there is a sign up in the foyer for the men's retreat coming up in May, May 13th, 14th, and 15th over at Rockaway Beach. Fellas, want to encourage you to be a part of that. There is an early bird special also on the 12th, so you can be a part of that as well. There's information on our church camp out in the bulletin, so I want to encourage you in relationship to that. If you're not a camper, the good news is it's really glorified outdoor living. <laughs> We're up in Mount Hood Village, and it is a great time of fellowship. It's a great time of connecting. They have warm showers. They even have swimming pools and I don't know what else. They've got other good things there. Anyway, it's a great time, so I want to encourage you in that regard. And uh, there's lots of other things that are happening. We encourage you to look inside uh, the, the worship folder, that bulletin program, and uh, just be up to speed on what's going on. The last thing I will mention is we have begun our 90-day Grow Your Faith Challenge. That began, thank you for that, woo, Uh, that began on April 1st, no fooling. We are walking through the New Testament and we want to invite you to join with us. Three chapters a day three chapters a day for the next three months. You can go to our Facebook page. There's a downloadable form on there that will just help you with the daily reading. If you get behind, don't sweat it. Just read that day that you're on and catch back up and stay with us. Wouldn't it be epic for all of us over the next 90 days to walk through the New Testament together? Someone say amen. 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 Let's pray and ask God's blessing and then Pastor Matt's gonna come and bring the word. Father, we thank you for all of your epic blessings in our life. Lord, we're, I'm so thankful just standing up here in the front to the left of me, this baptismal tank. Lord, there are those who will be being baptized immediately following the service. God, we are so very thankful. Lord, we're thankful for the faithfulness of the family of God right here at Hillside. Lord, we ask that you would bless tithes, that you would bless offerings, that you would bless alms, that you would bless heart for the housegivings. God, that you'd multiply them and, Lord, that you'd use them for the furtherance of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're so very grateful and thankful. Lord, thank you for what you're doing in our midst. And as Pastor Matt comes to bring the word, Lord, may our hearts be open, may our eyes see, and may our ears hear what your spirit is saying to the church. We ask your blessing now in Jesus' mighty name. And all God's people said a strong amen. Amen. God bless you this morning. Pastor Matt.
1: Morning, Hillside. How are you guys doing this morning. <laughs> Awesome, awesome, I'm going to move this, this thing is very heavy, very heavy. You guys having a good, good time in the sun? Yeah, amen, amen. Well, hey, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Revelation chapter 13, we've got an exciting portion of scripture to cover this morning, but before I dive actually into the meat of the sermon, I'm going to do something I've never done before when I preach, and I've I've seen people do it, uh, and I was like, ah, that's interesting, so I did some research, and I'm doing a This Day in History. Uh, April 3rd uh, has been not that big of a day in history, but uh, in my history, it's been big, and I'll get to there in just a second. But uh, in 801 A.D., uh, Louis the Pious uh, captured Barcelona from the Moors who were invading from northern Africa. In 1860, uh, we had the first successful Pony Express ride from St. Louis to Sacramento. 1865, the Union took Richmond uh, from the Confederate. Uh, States of America. In 1968, Martin Luther King Jr. gave his I've Been to the Mountaintop speech a day before his assassination. In 2010, the very first iPad was released, for all you Apple lovers out there. Uh, And this is the one I was getting to. Uh, In 2015, uh, on this day in history, uh, I happened to walk into Fat Cupcake, uh, and I met Mariah. uh, And... uh, (laughs) Here I am, 47 days away from marrying that woman. So this day in history was uh, very important. So uh, I told her I'd only ever embarrass her a few times when I was preaching. So, uh, well, are you in Revelation chapter 13? Awesome. I'm not. I'm turning there right now. Uh, God's word is amazing. And I just want to, I want to once again uh, encourage you guys in that 90-day Grow Your Faith Challenge. Uh, The interns, myself and Pastor Dave, we went through it. Starting January 1, we did 90 days through the New Testament, uh, and it was just super, super fruitful. Uh, and I want to encourage you, in and, and, and a good way you can encourage one another. Maybe you see each other on a Sunday, or, or maybe you see them, uh, so someone during the week. Hey, just drop a line from, from 1 Corinthians, if we're in 1 Corinthians, and, 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 and we can be encouraging one another by speaking the Word of God one to another. Amen? Amen? Awesome, awesome. Speaking of the Word of God, Revelation chapter 13, picking up in verse 1, this is what it says. Then I stood on the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rising out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and on his horns were ten crowns, and on his head a blasphemous name. Let's pray. Dear God, we just thank you so much for your word. God, we thank you that your word is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. God, we thank you that your word reveals to us the motives and the intents of our heart. God, we thank you that your word... Uh, is not like the grass of the fields and the flowers of the fields that wither away, but God, your word endures forever. And your word is timeless. And God, your word speaks to every single culture, every single time in history, God. And and, and so we thank you for the relevance of your word. Uh, God, we just pray that this morning as we spend just the next few moments looking at what your perfect law of liberty has to say, God, I pray that each and every single one of us would be inspired. God, that we would be transformed from the inside out by your word that we would be encouraged, uh, God, that we would be challenged. Uh, God, may your word challenge us to live more for you, to live more like you. God, this morning I pray that none of these would be my words, uh, but God, you would speak through me, anything that would be of me. Uh, May I not even be able to get it out of my mouth, but God, that just your perfect word would come through. Any of that, God, that would just fall uh, on deaf ears. And so God, we just thank you. Uh, God, thank you that we have the opportunity uh, to come week in and week out and to hear the teaching of your word, to worship one with another. So God, we just worship you and we praise you in your son's wonderful and beautiful name, Jesus Christ and all God's people said, amen, amen. Well, we have gotten to that place in Revelation where many people, uh, when they hear the book of Revelation, their mind goes right away. We are introduced here in verse 1 to a character, an important figure, uh, who has several names throughout scripture. Some of these names are the King of Fierce Countenance, the Prince that is to come, the son of perdition, the man of sin, the lawless one, the foolish shepherd, and here we see this man referred to as the beast. And yes, this beast uh, we are talking about is the Antichrist. Uh, it seems in our time uh, in which we live, the Antichrist is a pop culture icon. Uh, he's a Hollywood celebrity. We see movies left and right uh, that, 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 that depict this Antichrist as some sort of hero Uh, We see TV shows that are coming. We see movies like The Omen, and all these different things that try to make the Antichrist seem like this. Ah, he's an all right kind of guy. No, he's not. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that uh, today. Now, we haven't focused a whole lot in our study through the Book of Revelation. Pause the sermon. How many of you guys have been enjoying our study through the Book of Revelation? Amen. Amen. Awesome. So we haven't seen uh, him mentioned that much, uh, and when we hear Revelation, maybe you were one of those who when you heard we were going to be going through the book of Revelation, you thought that maybe we would be trying to decipher and piece together who this man was, determine who he is, but uh, that is not the case. We have not focused a whole lot on the Antichrist, and the reason why is because we're never told to focus on the Antichrist. We're told in Scripture to focus on Jesus Christ. And so we're going to talk a little bit this morning, being good Bible students about the Antichrist, about the beast and the false prophet, but what I really want us to walk away with today uh, is we serve a living God, and his name is Jesus, and he's given us his Holy Spirit. So we're going to talk about that in just a little bit, but if you're taking notes, uh, the title of the sermon is Anti Less Than Jesus, because Jesus is greater than the Antichrist, but we're going to get there in just a few moments. Throughout history, uh, the church uh, proper has has done um, not a very good job at trying to identify the Antichrist, uh, and throughout history, the history of the church, the church has named people uh, as the Antichrist. We saw uh, in the 4th and 5th centuries uh, that the church started naming Roman emperors as, as the Antichrist. We see the reformers begin to name the Pope as the Antichrist. I've even seen YouTube videos nowadays that break down how Barack Obama is the Antichrist. All of this is hogwash. Uh, the church was never told to try and point out the Antichrist, and then put his name on blast. And we're going to talk about that just a little bit more um, today. So just like predicting the rapture and when the rapture is going to come, it's not our job to predict uh, who this Antichrist is. Now, some Christians have taken this uh, too far, and, and, and their eschatology or their belief of how the end times come about uh, is it, it's not a very good eschatology. These are people who don't believe in a rapture, don't believe in a millennial reign, don't believe in a tribulation, and don't believe that the Antichrist is actually a person. Uh, There are those that would believe that the Antichrist or this beast is just false doctrine, Uh, but I want us to be clear when we study the book of Revelation and as we look at scripture as a whole, uh, it is clear that the Antichrist is a man, and we're going to get to that in just a second, but I do want to say there is some credence to those who would say that the Antichrist is false doctrine. I want to break that down for us just real quick before we dive in. Uh, There's this guy in the 2nd century by the name of Irenaeus. He came from a town called Lyons, uh, and it was in France, and Irenaeus was a disciple of Polycarp. Polycarp was the bishop of Smyrna, and Polycarp was a disciple of John. John, who was the disciple, and John, who also wrote the book of Revelation. And Now, Irenaeus, his greatest work in history is he wrote this uh, very large volume that was against heresies and against the Gnostics, and what Irenaeus said was that the the heretical gospel of the Gnostics that that was the Antichrist his predecessor Polycarp also warned the church in Philadelphia to avoid false doctrine for that was the Antichrist and even John himself in 1st John and in 2nd John tells us that there already is present a spirit of Antichrist now here's the thing in the Greek there are two forms for the word anti the first being over or against and the second being instead of or in place of so We have this false doctrine and spirit of Antichrist, but there is a man, Antichrist, who is to come. So there has always been a spirit of Antichrist, but there is this man who will come later and in the future. Some also would believe that this beast that is being referred to here in uh, Revelation chapter 13, verse 1, is a nation or a kingdom that is going to rise. But I would just like to make the statement that it is impossible to separate a king from his kingdom. So even if it were to be some sort of kingdom or nation, it would have a leader, and that leader being the Antichrist. Now, back to the point. Revelation is not the revelation of Antichrist. Revelation is the revelation of Jesus Christ. And so we want to make Jesus, because Jesus is the focus of it all. We're told that the whole of the book is written about Him, and so we want to focus primarily on Jesus today, but we're going to give just a little bit of attention, not more than is due, we're just going to do what a good Bible student should as we study God's Word, and we're going to discuss this man, this beast who is brought out of the sea, uh, and we're going to break that down just real quick. So verse 1 of chapter 13, I'm going to read it again, it says this, Then I stood on the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rising up out of the sea. Now, This word beast that has been translated to the English from the Greek, it it, it actually, if we were to look at it in its fullest sense of the term, it is a wild beast. Not just a beast, but a wild beast. So lions, tigers, and bears, oh my. just so happens there's some animals that build him up, and we're going to talk about that Uh, in just a second. We're told that he comes out of the sea, um, and we see here in verse 1 that it says, Then I stood on the sand of the sea. Now, in most of your Bibles, you will see either a footnote uh, or, if you have a study Bible, there'll be a breakdown on the bottom about that word I. In, in, in some of the translations or, or, or some of the manuscripts that we have from the Greek, uh, that word I there is actually translated he. Now, to the English students who, who are here, uh, we know that you can't start a, a, a sentence or a new paragraph um, with this noun he without letting people know who this he actually is. Now, remember that the chapters and the numbers, those didn't come until much later this is one long narrative that wasn't broken down and so the he here would actually be referring to the dragon from chapter 12 the dragon being satan so it would read then he the dragon satan stood on the sands of the sea and then john saw a beast rising up out of the sea so we see that satan is giving power to this man or to this beast standing on the sea he is described uh, as a beast who is made up of animals he uh, is is one who has seven heads and 10 horns And uh, he had the body of a leopard, he had feet like a bear, he had the mouth of a lion, and the dragon gave him power and his throne and great authority. Now, this would be a very interesting sight to see uh, if it was literal. If we were to go and we were to look and we were to see this crazy monster and amalgamation of so many different animals, we'd be like, whoa, what's happening here? Now, this is symbolic. This is not what mankind will see, but this is how God views Uh, this person and and in all reality uh, this person this beast is probably not going to be some monstrous figure I have a picture up on the screen uh, I think Blake's back there if you want to throw that up for any Star Wars fans in the room uh, we have a picture of what the Antichrist will not look like Uh, he's not going to be Darth Maul um, because think about this this man would not rise to power because uh, in our world um, we vote for things Uh, And just imagine two men walking down the road, uh, and this was the new politician on the block. So we're going to put your imagination caps on we're walking down the road. Hey, have you heard about the new politician? Oh, yeah, the one with red and black face with yellow eyes that kind of glow, the horns on his head. Yeah, you know, I kind of think he's an evil guy. Let's vote for him. Sound like a good plan? No, that's a conversation that would never happen, and so this is going to be a man in kind of normal looks. He's probably going to be some sort of charismatic person, but underneath uh, he's going to be a megalomaniac uh, who wants nothing more than to bring destruction. We're told that he rises out of the sea. Uh, in biblical typology and symbolism, the sea here is referring uh, to the Gentile nations, the people of the world, and so this man is going to rise out of the Gentile nations, and people are going to love him. He's going to be given power by the dragon, and he's going to rule, and for more Break down verse by verse. we don't have a lot of time this morning, so I want to encourage you guys come tonight for a verse by verse study as we go through the book of Revelation in chapter 13. A lot more information tonight. It's going to be super cool. Um, but for this morning, we want to notice that this man is probably going to be more of a Ronald Reagan than a Jeffrey Dahmer. He's not going to be some evil serial killer that everyone's like, "Oh, that guy's bad. He's going to be someone that the people adore, and he's going to raise to power in such a way. By this time, his true colors. Uh, that have been hidden. People are going to like him. He's going to be talking about peace. He's going to be talking about just greatness on earth. Uh, but his true colors will begin to show. and We'll begin to see that later on here uh, in the book of Revelation. Now in chapter 13, uh, we are seeing something that we saw earlier in the book of Revelation and also in the book of Daniel. Earlier we saw that uh, the, the the great tribulation and Daniel seven took place. And, and John saw it from heaven. And, and, and I want to just now give you an analogy. It would be like going to New York and flying over New York in a helicopter and seeing New York as a whole. Oh, awesome, big city. Now, here we are in the latter half of the book of Revelation. John is on the ground. It's like he was in a taxi, and now he's driving around New York, seeing it up close and personal. He saw in the first part of the book an overview, and now he's breaking down piece by piece what happens during this time uh, that is Daniel seven. God here is allowing Satan to give power and give dominion to this man. You see, man does not want God. We have atheism and people who are uh, against God. The collective whole of the world is very anti-God. And so, in a sense, Revelation chapter 13 is poetic justice for what man has wanted all along. Since the fall of man, man has been anti-God, and now God is withdrawing himself, withdrawing his spirit from the earth, and allowing Satan to do these things. And it's really poetic justice because God's like, hey, you said you want to do it without me. It's not going to work out without me, and people are going to begin to see uh, that life is not that good without the Lord. So, bringing it all back, uh, how does this happen? How does Revelation chapter 13? How does the beast rising out of the sea? How does the dragon giving power? How does all of this happen in this future event? Well, we have to remember. That at this point in the book of Revelation, the church is no longer here on earth. This event called the rapture has taken place. The Greek harpazo, where we get the word in the Latin, raptus, where the church is caught up. And and we see that kind of painted for us in Revelation chapter 2 and chapter 3, where the church, the seven letters to the seven churches, they're being written here. And then in Revelation chapter 4, we see the church in heaven. And, and now the focus is back on Israel, and so Bible scholars and theologians have, have said that this is the rapture, and that the church is now no longer here on earth. This is further broken down for us in Second Thessalonians chapter 2, when we are told that this day, the day of the Lord, will not come until he that restrains is taken away. Who is restraining Antichrist? Well, that is the Holy Spirit that is Living in each and every single one of us, the Holy Spirit that empowers the church. And so there will come a time when the Holy Spirit is removed, the church is removed, and then Antichrist and and, and the dragon will be able to have free reign here on the earth. So let's break down just a little bit more. uh, In verse 1 and in verse 2, we see the Antichrist or this beast described for us. Uh, He's going to be some sort of leader who has seven heads these seven heads representing seven kingdoms of the world, seven great kingdoms and empires of the world, Egypt, Assyria, Babylon, Greece, Persia, Rome, and the seventh being the greatest and most diabolical of them all, which will be the kingdom of the Antichrist. We see he has ten uh, horns and ten crowns, and for the book of Revelation and for some of the typology that's seen here in the book of Revelation, Daniel is the... the decoder key for it so if we go to Daniel chapter 7 we can break down some more things and we can see that these 10 horns these 10 crowns are 10 different leaders or kingdoms uh, that rise up and they give power to the Antichrist to then have sole authority over some conglomeration of nations that have come together that are backing the Antichrist now who in their right mind would give after knowing what the book of Revelation is going to tell us about Antichrist, who in their right mind would give power to this man? Well, why would they give power to this man? Perhaps the whole event of the rapture and natural disasters that take place in the book of Revelation, maybe these would be a reason why a man would be given sole power. Maybe this man will have a grand plan that is, hey, we can do this, peace, hope, we got all of this. Maybe he's going to blame the rapture on aliens and he's going to have a world defense plan. Maybe he's going to use some sort of naturalistic science where he says, you know, evolution has done, its, has done its course. We as a human race have evolved enough that we do not no longer need fundamentalists and crazy Christians and they just evolved their way out of humanity. And so it, it, who, who knows what he's going to say, but he's probably going to have some sort of plan and a look to the future. One of the things that he's going to do, one of the first things he does is he's going to do something that a leader uh, that, that no leader has ever done in the history of the world, and he's going to bring peace to the Middle East. He's going to bring peace, peace to Jerusalem, peace to Israel, peace to this tumultuous part of the world that has been warring for as long as the world's been around. But he's not alone. This, th- this beast, this Antichrist is not alone. We saw that he was given power by the dragon, which is Satan, uh, Satan kind of being the anti-God uh, then we see here the beast, the Antichrist, who is very anti-Jesus. In Revelation chapter 13, verse 11, we're going to see this. Turn with me, if you will, or, or look, look down to your Bibles and see Revelation chapter 13, verse 11. It says this, Then I saw another beast coming out of the earth, and he had two horns like a lamb and spoke like a dragon. And he exercised all authority of the first beast in his presence and caused the earth and those who dwelt in In it to worship the first beast whose deadly wound was healed. So we see now the second beast rise up. Now, the question would be who is the second beast? Now, if we can understand that the first beast is the Antichrist, uh, then the second beast is that of the false prophet. And it is going to be uh, this person who comes, and and he's going to be if the Antichrist is the political figure. We're going to see that the false prophet is this religious figure who, who is going to cause the world to worship this false Christ, this Antichrist. And he's going to do some pretty messed up and bad things. He will cause people to worship the Antichrist. And this Antichrist that they are going to worship is going to be the full embodiment of John's spirit of the Antichrist, which he talked about there Uh, in 1st and 2nd John. And what is this spirit of the Antichrist? Well, if we were to turn to 1st John, and we don't have time this morning, uh, but we could see that the spirit of Antichrist is a denial of Jesus as Christ, a denial of the divinity of Jesus, a, 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 a person or a religion or Whatnot not that says Jesus is not God, that maybe he was just a good person or a good prophet. But any denial of the divinity of Christ is that spirit of Antichrist. In this, in this Antichrist, this beast who is going to come at this future time is going to be someone who fully embodies that, saying Jesus is not God, I am God, check me out. And we see in history uh, so, some early church fathers who talked about this very thing happening. We see a guy by the name of Athanasius of Alexandria a guy who was very important and integral in the forming of the canon of Scripture. And he said this, referring to a guy by the name of Arius. Now, Arius, for just a little bit of history for you, Arius was a guy who had a theology that Jesus was not God, that Jesus was created by God, and that there was this dualistic kind of religion rather than the following of just one God, Jesus the Son, God the Father, and the Holy Spirit. And so Arius came up and, and, and he rallied half of the church at the time against this Trinitarian belief. And he said, "No, Jesus was created; he's not God." Well, Athanasius said this to Arius or about Arius's heresy. He said, "Arius's heresy is the foe of Christ and the harbinger of Antichrist." And so what he began to teach and, and what has become the norm of Christian theology, and it is what the Bible teaches, is any form of religion, any form of theology any form of anything that denies the divinity of Christ is evil is a foe of Christ and is a harbinger and a forerunner and that spirit of antichrist and so we want to stay away from anything that takes away from the divinity of Christ now i said earlier that we would come back to second thessalonians chapter 2 turn with me if you will in your bibles to second thessalonians chapter 2 this is what it says picking up in verse 1 Says now, brethren, concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and the gathering together to Him, we ask you to not be soon, soon shaken in mind or troubled either by spirit or by word or by letter, as if it was from us, knowing that the day of Christ had not come. Let no one deceive you. By any means, for the day will not come unless the falling away comes first, and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshiped, so that he sits as God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Do you not remember when I was still with you that I told you these things, and now you know? what is restraining that he may be revealed in his own time for the mystery of lawlessness is already at work only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken away and then the lawless one will be revealed whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming so let's break this down real quick we see that this church in Thessalonica was freaking out because they thought they missed the rapture they thought they were in for it and Paul says, hey, do not be deceived. It has not happened yet. You are still here. This will not happen until he who is restrained is removed. And the son of perdition, the man of sin, this lawless one, he will be then revealed. So, uh, we see that the church is going to be taken, and then this man will do his thing, sitting on the throne declaring himself to be God. But what John says to the, or, or, or what Paul says to the church here in Thessalonica, is he says, hey, do not be shaken. Do not be Dismayed, do not be afraid that these things have taken place. He said, do you not remember that I taught you these things when I was with you? John Chrysostom of the 4th century, he said this. He said, let us not be those who inquire into the things of who the Antichrist is, but by Paul's description to the church, which is in Thessalonica, a Christian may avoid deception. And so when we look at this, knowing that that man, that beast will not come Until we who are here are removed, the Holy Spirit who restrains is removed, we can avoid deception. So how do we avoid deception? I think we focus on truth. To avoid deception, one must focus fully on truth. And so what is some truth that we have today? Well, God's Word is true, and God's Word tells us some very clear things about truth. There is an Antichrist that is going to come, but in the meantime, there is a very real and alive Jesus Christ. And he has come, and he has died, and he has risen again, and he now sits at the right hand of God, and he has provided a way of salvation. He has provided a plan, a rescue plan for humanity that is trapped in sin, that is trapped in deception. He has brought truth. He himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through him. And so we as Christians, we live in a world that we can be so easily distracted by the things that are deceptive. Satan has his hands in all sorts of different things. And there's so many things that are putting us on sensory overload that are trying to distract us from the truth. That are trying to pull us away and tell us, hey, you missed it. Hey, it doesn't matter. Hey, that's a lie. Hey, this, this, and that. But no, we are told to not be shaken we are told not to be pulled away we are told to avoid deception and we do that by focusing on truth so let's focus on some truth real quick Jesus is the truth and Jesus is not a leopard with bare feet and seven heads and horns and crowns no, he is the lamb that was slain before the foundations of the earth for us, he is the lion of the tribe of Judah and he's going to rule and reign he did great wonders he healed the sick He cleansed the, he he did so many great things. And he showed us on the cross that love wins. And that love triumphs. Let's kind of compare the true Christ, Jesus Christ, to this Antichrist. The Antichrist, he comes from below. He comes from a pit. But Jesus, Jesus came from above. Jesus came in his Father's name. And this Antichrist comes saying, hey, dragon's pretty cool. We see that Jesus came humble as a servant but we see that this Antichrist wants to come and exalt himself Jesus came and he was despised by all the Antichrist is going to come and be praised by all Jesus came to save the Antichrist comes to destroy Jesus was holy and this man is lawless some truth here is that Jesus said be holy for I am holy we sang songs this morning that it is by that holiness that we can stand and, 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 and the truth is Jesus is the only way. And we can focus so much on all these different things and we can get caught up in, oh, who is the Antichrist? Who is it? Who is it? Is he here? Is is he in the political election right now? No, we don't focus on that. We focus on Jesus and what Jesus' plan was. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. We're told in one of the most famous, if not the most famous, uh, verse of all time, that God so loved the world that He sent His only begotten Son, that's Jesus, that whosoever believes in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. We're told in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, that God demonstrated His love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ, Jesus, the real Christ, not the Antichrist, came, and, and, and He died for us. The truth of the matter is, a life without Jesus is a life that only leads to destruction. And no matter if that's a destruction tomorrow or destruction tomorrow, 10 years, it's all destruction without Jesus. Ephesians tells us in in, in Ephesians chapter 2 that we were once children of wrath We we were trapped in our trespasses and in our sins and all we knew was wrath and destruction but God who is rich in mercy, he sent a way for us to have new life, eternal life with him and it's only through Jesus and the book of Revelation is all about Jesus, and pointing men and women to Jesus. Now, Jesus said a few things before he left this earth. He told us to go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and, 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 and to teach men the things which he had taught. And he said, "Lo, well, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. But earlier, he had told the disciples, hey, you know what? I'm going to go. I'm going to leave. But it's better that I go so that I can send you the helper, the paraclete the holy spirit and just like we see here that there is going to be the second beast that is on the earth this false prophet or this anti-holy spirit and this unholy trinity right now we have the true holy spirit the spirit of the living god living and active in us john told the disciples hey the holy spirit is drawing men unto the father he then at a later time told uh, the disciples that hey I have breathed on you, receive you the Holy Spirit. And they did, and at salvation we received the Holy Spirit. And then he told them, hey, tarry in Jerusalem just a little bit longer until the promise of the Father comes. And then we see in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, that it says, Jesus says to the disciples, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And then we see in just the very next chapter there on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit was poured out on believers, and he is pouring out on believers to this day. That's truth. That's truth. If we couldn't do it on our own, and we can't do it on our own. Jesus did it for us, but he said, hey, when you're living this life, I've given you my Holy Spirit, the helper. So, yeah, there's an antichrist. Yeah, there's a false prophet. But even more so, there is a very real Jesus Christ. And he has sent his very real Holy Spirit who is in us now. The Holy Spirit empowers believers um, and awakens the believer to worship God in spirit and in truth. And we can get caught up, and we're not talking about the Holy Spirit and Holy Spirit theology today, but the reality is, what is the purpose of the Holy Spirit coming? What was His purpose in coming here to earth? Well, we're told by Jesus. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you to be my witnesses. The purpose of Jesus sending the Holy Spirit is so that we, the believer, we who have experienced Jesus, can now be witnesses of the things that we have seen, the things that we have heard, the things that we have read from Scripture. Now we are empowered to be witnesses for the Lord. So in this moment, where there's so much deception, so much destruction, we have the truth, and the truth is the only thing that brings salvation, and that truth is Jesus Christ. And I've said that over and over and over again because it's the truth and at the end of the day it's always only Jesus no matter what this world throws at us it is Jesus 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 there is no other name given under heaven or earth where men may be saved but Jesus Christ and that is the truth and that is the focus Antichrist yeah whatever Jesus 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 so the Antichrist and the false prophet, they're not here yet. They're not here yet. They will be, maybe sooner than later. But in the moment, the here and the now, we worship Jesus Christ. And we have his Holy Spirit living in us. And he's commissioned us to go and to tell the world. And if the Antichrist is some Hollywood pop icon that... Everyone wants to talk about, oh, we should be out on the front lines as followers of the living God, the one who wins in the end, because they can talk all they want about how cool the Antichrist is, but they can flip a few more pages and see that in the end, he's going to get destroyed. We see here in, first, uh, in Second Thessalonians chapter 2 that he'll be consumed by Jesus and by his word. So that's the losing side. We don't need to be on the losing side because we're on the winning side. And so let's get out there and tell the world about Jesus. Amen? Awesome. So, what does all this have to do with Revelation chapter 13? Well, that's what it is. The world is going to be given over, God's going to be removed, and the world is going to really be destroyed and crumble. And I, I heard this yesterday uh, at men's breakfast, and, 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 and men, if you were at men's breakfast, uh, you heard this as well. Uh, But there's that statement that goes around so often about you can save the world. You can save the world. Well, as a reality, we're probably not going to save the whole world. But each and every single one of us, we have our own little world, our own sphere of influence. And everyone on this earth has that. And so many people, the majority of people, their world is already in destruction. And their world without Jesus looks a lot like the future world is going to. Destruction, sin death sadness we have jesus and we have the holy spirit and we serve god and we can go and we can bring some salvation to individual people's worlds so i want to encourage you guys this morning be encouraged that we serve the living god that we have truth real truth and that truth is jesus and he's given us his holy spirit and empowered us with his holy spirit to be witnesses And today we're going to be baptizing at least one awesome young person. Um, And as we baptize people, it's a public declaration that Jesus Christ is Lord and that there is new life in Jesus. And so this morning, maybe this is the first time you've heard about Jesus. Maybe this is not the first time you've heard about Jesus. But maybe you've never made the decision that you want to follow Jesus, that you want to give your life to Jesus, that you don't want to be on the losing side but you want to be on the winning side. Today, we are told that today can be the day of salvation. We're told that anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Doesn't say anyone who calls on the name of the Lord might be saved or possibly will be saved or if you live the good enough life then you'll be saved or if you did this or that you'll be saved. No, it says anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's for sure. It's not wishful thinking, it's hope. It's the absolute expectancy of good to come. If you put your faith in Jesus, if you call upon the name of the Lord, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So with every eye closed and with every head bowed this morning, if you have never made the decision to put your faith in Jesus, the Bible tells us that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through His Son, Christ Jesus. And all we must do is call upon the name of the Lord and we will be saved. If you've never put your faith in Jesus this morning, and you would say, today is the day that I want to make that decision, I want to just invite you with every eye closed and every head bowed between you and God. If that's you, if you'd raise your hand this morning, and and, and what we're going to do is we're going to pray together. Is there anyone here who would say, I want to receive Jesus today? no hands went up. So that means one of two things. One, we're all family, and uh, we need to go out and bring someone with us who doesn't know the Lord yet. Um, Or two, maybe there's one, maybe there's two who are saying, you know what, I don't need Jesus yet. I want to encourage, if that is you, to think about this. Because no man knows the day or the hour when the Lord is going to return, and no man knows when his time here on earth is done. And if this book that we believe is true, is truth, that means there's a very real heaven and a very real hell. And that a life without Jesus leads to an eternity away from God. And so maybe you just have questions. Maybe you don't want to make the decision today, but maybe you have questions. I encourage you, come talk to myself or one of the elders who was serving communion or Pastor Dave or Pastor Dennis after service. We would love to talk with you and we'd love to answer questions. But if we're all family in this room, then we have a lot to rejoice about because, hey, Jesus Christ wins. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray together, and then we're going to do some baptism. So, dear God, we just thank you so much for who you are. God, we thank you um, that you did send your son, and that life with your son is life, and it is life abundant. God, we thank you for your spirit, and we thank you, God, that you have given us your Holy Spirit, uh, and you have empowered us to be witnesses for you to this world. God, thank you that you've given us a glimpse to the future. God, and we thank you that you've shown us at the very end that you win. God, we pray that we would not be deceived by the lies of this world, but God, that we would focus on truth, on the way, the truth, and the life. We want to focus solely on you. So God, we just thank you. Um, God, we praise you. In your son's wonderful and beautiful name, Jesus Christ. All God's people said, "Amen." amen. Amen.
0: Praise the Lord. I want to invite uh, Madison to come forward and Matt, uh, Madison's dad. Madison Jordan is a 12 year old in our church who has given her heart to Jesus, and uh, she's going to be baptized. And what I'd like to do is have, if you would like, Tammy's coming. She's going to probably get close to take pictures. And I know John's up here, he's going to take some pictures. And uh, Frank's coming. This is good. Amen. And uh, Madison, you love Jesus. Amen. Do you you have anything you'd like to just say to your family here? Just say anything about your love for the Lord. I love Jesus. (laughs) Hey, it doesn't get any better than that. It doesn't get any better than that. Matt, how long has Madison known the Lord? Probably been about a year about a year she gave her heart to jesus declaring she raised in the faith but said yes jesus i want you to be my savior and so guys i i, I this is a celebration time so i want to invite you if you'd like to move a little closer get in here and just get I mean, the kids are coming we want to give the kids time to make their way over here and see all of this as we participate and uh I want to encourage you as in just a few moments, uh, Madison is going to climb in this awesome horse trough that's got about 101 degree water in it. It's really great. Okay, maybe not quite 101. Sorry, Madison. At any rate, I want to encourage you, if you've not followed the Lord's example in water baptism, that you would prayerfully consider in the obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ, your Savior, in obedience to the Word of God. To make that declaration, I want to follow and make that public declaration. Water baptism is a public declaration. It's that statement, I was once this, and I am being buried to my former life of sin, and I'm being raised anew in the power of our resurrected Savior, Jesus. And so an epic opportunity. And so, Matt, I'm going to turn, turn this over to you, and you get to baptize your daughter. This is exciting. Awesome, brother. Thank you. I got to hear it. You didn't get to hear it, but upon her profession of faith as Jesus Christ, Lord of her life, Matt baptized her in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That was beautiful, Matt. Thank you, Madison. So very proud of you. And, yeah, let's give it up. That is awesome, awesome stuff. Now then, uh, here's water. Here's water. If you're here, uh, Philip in the book of Acts is an amazing story, but he ran and caught up to a chariot that had an Ethiopian in the chariot who happened to be reading out of the book of Isaiah. He didn't understand what was being or what had been said, and he asked Philip, he says, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? And Philip explained all of really the history and he became a believer, declaring faith in Christ. And he said, notwithstanding water, what prevents me from being baptized? And there was water right there, and Philip took him down into the water and baptized him right there. It was that declaration, I am dying to my former life and being raised anew. Maybe you're here today, and you said, today may have been that, that first opportunity where during communion you said yes. And you say, hey, I don't have a change of clothes, but I'm ready to get baptized. Is there someone here who would say, yes, I wanna. I just want to follow the Lord's example. I wasn't prepared to do this, but hey, they'll send me home with a towel to put on my car as a little seat prevention from getting my seats all wet, et cetera. We want to baptize you. It would be awesome. Is there anyone here? I'll give you just a moment. Awesome. All right, well, I'm going to do one more thing. We have with us this morning two young people who have made a decision to be Married. Josh Seal and Sierra S will you stand? We want to acknowledge you too. That Josh has asked Sierra. Yeah, that's so exciting for you guys. They're gonna be married on a Friday night in the month of August, August 5th, and it's very, very exciting. We're so very excited for you guys, and we're thrilled to see what God has brought and God is doing in your lives as you are coming together, and uh, we're looking forward to, we're praying with you, and f- church family, that's like wedding number 12 somehow connected with us, so that's very exciting. I'm going to invite you to stand where you are right now, and we're going we're gonna to conclude this service. We love all our kids. They're making their way back. Hopefully, you got to see all those kids from uh, Kidstown and Toddlertown being here today. And Madison, we're so very, very excited for you. She's now with Mama. Super, super exciting. God bless you, little sister. And uh, again, we want to encourage you, as Matt shared the word of God, that emphasis today. And, man, there was a lot of history stuff there, too. It was like information. But the focus is Jesus Christ and him crucified. We carry with us in these earthen vessels the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We may not change the whole world, but we can change the world in one or two or three, even this week. Will you carry the gospel and convey the gospel to those you encounter even this week? One other thing I noticed, and then we're going to be gone, I did notice that there were empty seats. Maybe that empty seat that is next to you is for someone that you will be inviting this next week. Will you make invitations? To folks to come and join to hear the message of the good news of Jesus Christ. And everyone says a strong amen. 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 Father God, will you bless as we go from this place? We ask your benediction in Jesus' mighty name. And all God's people said a strong amen. Amen. Go in the grace and knowledge of our Savior. Have an amazing week in Jesus. God bless.